Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. We are still in John 4. Yes, we are. And obviously, we have not kept it under 15 minutes one single time. There's so much good stuff here in John chapter 4. A lot of good stuff to talk about here in John chapter 4. You ready to have another long talk? I am. I'm ready to have another. <laughs> I think it's a good way to start the day. We just appreciate all the people that tune in to Text Talk. And you send us your emails, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. You know, kind, encouraging words, questions about the text. We just love to hear from you. Text Talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text Talk at christiansmeethere.org. Today I'm going to be reading John chapter 4. I think I'm just going to read the first 15 verses or so as we look at another angle of this conversation that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman at the well there in Sychar. John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman says, give some of that to me. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Give some of that to me. Uh, Again, the misunderstanding. We said yesterday, we we made some connections back to the law and the prophets and the writings as we just took a look at different scenarios where men met women at wells, and, and of course the angel of the Lord meeting Hagar at the well, and just picking up on some really good connections there. There's something else that this time, as we were as we were preparing for our conversations this week, that I got kind of up into a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out when did Jacob dig this well. And so I'm looking and looking and reading, and I will say that if Jacob dug the well, we actually aren't told that he dug the well. Yeah. Now, he, he may well have done that. He may well have done that. Uh, but here as it talks about, so I'm looking in John 4, verse 5, he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So when I read that, I think yeah. that this must be one that he dug, but... 
I go back to the law, what I do find, I find in Genesis chapter 33 and verse 19. So Jacob has come back to the promised land. He has met Esau. All, all has gone well between Jacob and Esau. So there's room for Jacob in the land. And we get to Genesis 33, 18. Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Paddan Aram. And he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. And there he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel, God, the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. He has bought a plot of land, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the land where, we, where Jesus is meeting this woman. Okay. They're on that land. So in Genesis chapter 48, uh, verse 22, as Jacob is talking... Uh, in fact, you know what? Let me back up. I want to start in verse 20 because I think it's important. So he ble- this is Jacob blessing the sons of Joseph. So he blessed them that day saying, by you Israel will pronounce blessings saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. And that's that's the land that we are on right now with Jesus as he is meeting this Samaritan woman. And if I can just show you one more passage in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 32, after Israel has come into the land, they've conquered the land. Joshua, the son of Nun, I'm, uh, Joshua 24, uh, verse 29, I'm going to kind of skim through some of this. After these things, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old, and they buried him in his own inheritance in Timnath Sarah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders who outlived. And then verse 32, As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. Mm -hmm. All this together. So when this when this uh, Samaritan woman talks about this well from back at the time of Jacob and when John tells us this is the land that Jacob gave to Joseph, this is the plot of land that we're looking at and dealing with. And uh, as she says, Jacob gave us this well. What she's actually doing is tying herself to. Ephraim and Joseph Mm -hmm. as members of this Samaritan people that are claiming that even though they have foreign descent, that they are intermarried into the Israelite nation. Mm -hmm. And now they are in this kingdom of Samaria, going back again to that idea of the northern kingdom. Right. So all of this is together as she's saying, this is the well that Jacob gave us. This is the land that Jacob gave us. She's she's talking about being connected to Joseph. She's talking Mm -hmm. about being of this lineage of Ephraim. And and that that's the concept that's going on here. That's what's happening at that time. All right. Well it's interesting to me that as we begin uh, John four and that reading again, it says that he needed to go through Samaria. Mm Uh, that is remarkable because uh, a verse or two later, we're told that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Yeah. And you do some of your kind of uh, cultural studies and learn that actually the Jews went out of their way to avoid traveling through Samaria. Yes, they did. That even though Jews lived in, in Galilee and in, in that region around the Sea of Galilee, and then of course down 
and Jerusalem and, and south of that and Jericho and the Dead Sea region and so forth, they would actually, as they wanted to head north, instead of taking a straight shot north Jerusalem through Samaria to Galilee, they would cross the Jordan River, go north on the west side, excuse me, east side of the Jordan River, and then maybe even cross back again or make their travel through there so that they wouldn't set a foot in Samaria. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Yeah, the Jews in general were not noticing this connection to Joseph and Ephraim and Jacob. Or that was just blown and rejected, I guess. Yeah, they were just like, no, 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 you're you're not. You're done. You're not that. You're not that at all. We're staying away from that. We're not going to be connected with that. Uh, We are. uh, You're not one of us. You're not with us. You're not our people. I want to make another comment on this. I think there's a a really interesting connection. So first of all, Jesus is is doing this thing that none of the Jews would have done. I'm sure that he knew he has this miraculous—I mean, he he knew this woman had been married five times. Yes, he has miraculous knowledge I think he probably knew he was going to meet this woman at this well, (laughs) which is why he needed to go. Needed to go. Okay, Uh, I get that, which I don't— I don't have that kind of knowledge, so I can't come up with, I have to go here to make sure to get the gospel out. I just, wherever I go, I need to get the gospel out. And yeah. I shouldn't avoid places yeah. because everybody else avoids places uh, when I'm getting the gospel out. That's a really good lesson to learn. Uh, as she is the one bringing up this history then uh, about Jacob and about Joseph, it seems like if he needs to go through Samaria, he needs to meet this woman. He needs to have this conversation. He needs to have this conversation. And it ends up producing something. I think John is giving us another indicator of Jesus' greatness as he makes sure John goes out of his way to make sure to tell us this is Jacob's well. Mm-hmm. This is the land that Jacob purchased. This is the land that Jacob gave to Joseph. This is he's he's making sure we understand exactly what plot of land we are on. So now let me go back. So we talked about in Genesis when Joseph got the land. That is in Genesis 33. The way our Bibles are divided, it's right at the end of Genesis 33. Do you remember what happens next in Genesis 34? Genesis 34, and this is where Jacob is now camping outside the area of Shechem, Shechem, right, Mm -hmm. with Hamor, Hamor, and Hamor's son, Shechem. And, well, this is when Shechem defiles Dinah. Mm. And Shechem declares his love for Dinah. And Shechem gets his father to ask Jacob, can I please, please, please marry Dinah? And so the sons of Jacob find out about this. They are livid. They are incensed. And so what they come to Shechem, to Hamor, they say, look, we cannot be married and intermarry with folks who aren't circumcised. So what I want you to do is if you guys will become circumcised, then sure, we will intermarry and all will be fine. And so all of the men of the village get circumcised. And what Genesis 34 says is that when they were sore, Levi and Simeon come through and kill them all. Mm-hmm. Kill the entire village. Kill all the men of that village. What a horrific, horrific incident. They didn't need to do that. They shouldn't have done that. They end up getting cursed for doing that uh, at the end of the book. Jacob is very angry. Uh, well, here's what I'm getting at. In Genesis 33, Jacob buys this land. And the next thing that happens is here is a woman who is defiled. All right, Dinah. Mm -hmm. I think we can say that our woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, 
is one who has been defiled by sin. Mm -hmm. She's defiled by sexual sin Mm -hmm. specifically. She's been married five times and now is with a man she's not even married to. Here is a woman that is defiled. We've made connections back to previous stories about Hagar meeting the angel of the Lord at the well, about about Abraham's servant meeting the woman and Rebecca becoming Isaac's wife, about Jacob meeting Rachel at the well and, and becoming Rachel and Leah's husband. I think we should make another connection here. And what we find is that Jesus is greater than Simeon and Levi. He's greater than the patriarchs. He's greater than the sons of Jacob. Not only is he greater than Jacob, he's greater than their sons, including Joseph, Simeon, and Levi. Simeon and Levi, they, they on this land, what do they end up doing? They end up becoming the death of an entire village. They take a vengeance on sin. Here is wrath yes. on sin. Um, and, and beyond, yes. I mean, even in the eyes of Jacob, their father, yeah. you went beyond to murder all of these people. Yeah, the time was not right for that. There was going to be judgment on the folks of that land, but it wasn't for Simeon and Levi to bring about at that moment. Uh, but Jesus comes into that same plot of land, and he meets a woman who has been defiled, and instead of destroying a village— He saves a village. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He saves this entire town. And the people come out and the men listening to this woman, they hear her testimony. And some of them decide to believe just by hearing her testimony. They didn't see or experience the sign of his miraculous knowledge. They've just accepted her testimony of the miraculous knowledge. Well, yeah. And, And let me read that. It's verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. A whole village comes out to Christ because of the word of this woman. And they believe, and they are now confessing he's the Christ, the Savior of the world whole world, not just for the Jews, not just for the Samaritans, but the whole world. It'll end up including Gentiles. We'll see that as we go through John as well. What we find is, is Jesus greater than Jacob? Yes, yes. He's also greater than Simeon and Levi, the family of priests, really greater than all of those patriarchs. That's who Jesus is, and John is driving that home. Some of these messages are explicit, some of them more subtle. As we make these connections, we see John building his case. Jesus is greater. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. We need to submit to him. Holy God, thank you. Thank you for sending a Savior into the world. Thank you for bringing one who will give us life and not death. And we are Well, we're saddened and humbled to know that it took his death, but we are so grateful and we give you praise and your son and your spirit for the plan that you put in place that allows us to be your children, even though we don't deserve it. Father, we recognize your son, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah. He is the prophet. He is your lamb. He is your word. He is the light and the truth and the way. He is all of these things. Thank you for giving us this book of John that makes it so abundantly clear for us. And may we have faith just as this Samaritan woman did and just as these villagers did that we too might be saved by the blood of your son, partaking in the living water, being born of water and spirit. 
We are thankful for you and your plan. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.